Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with me, your host, Danny Kennedy, and you're listening to episode number 19. All right, guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, where we are joined by a very special guest all the way from the UK, AJ Morris. Welcome to the show, mate. Really happy to be here, Danny. Thanks very much for having me on. Not a problem. Now, for the listeners that don't know you, AJ, would you be able to to kind of introduce yourself and, and tell us a bit about what you've done and what you do? Sure. So I am 20 years old. I'm from Brighton in the UK, as Denny has mentioned. And yeah, so I am a natural bodybuilder. I competed in 2014 and 2015. And I competed in the teenage category. So I competed as a teenager at the age of 19 and the age of 18. Um, I also when I was 19, got into the world of personal training, online coaching. So essentially, I got in very early. And I think that this is becoming more uh, more frequent. There's a lot of new young guys getting into the fitness industry. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's something that, that really has drastically changed my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a roundup. I'm IPT, I online coach, and then yeah, I'm a I'm a sort of a natural bodybuilder as well. Awesome, man, and yeah, I definitely agree. Like my first competition was, I think I was 19, and um, mm-hmm. I guess even then it was kind of seen as a little bit weird or kind of uh, not exactly mainstream. Whereas, as you mentioned, it's becoming more and more popular, and that kind of leads me into the first question of the show. So. I guess bodybuilding and uh, physique competing is definitely becoming extremely popular lately, Um, whereas as I mentioned in the past, it was kind of seen as almost odd or not exactly something that um, majority of people would even consider doing, even your kind of hardcore trainer at the gym. What do you think is some of the, the factors that have contributed to bodybuilding becoming so mainstream and people wanting to step on stage now compared to what it was in the past? 100%. 100%. I, I totally agree. I think that bodybuilding has, has become massively mainstream over the last few years. And to think back to when I initially looked at competing, so I was probably 16, 17 years old. And at that time, I really, really didn't know what to what to expect. And there really wasn't many people to follow, um, especially in natural bodybuilding. We're, we're only talking sort of two years ago, two, three years ago. And now with sort of the the growth of youtube the growth of instagram snapchat these social outlets are just absolutely launching both the fitness industry and bodybuilding up to a whole new level and i think that this has its pros and its cons i think for for younger individuals getting into the sport can be a great thing and i think plenty of people who you know just get into it nice and early almost get that as a really good first experience however i'm seeing it more maybe with maybe with more females and i'm not sure whether you've sort of noticed this danny with with coaching but i'm seeing it more with females that that they sort of tend to maybe want to rush into the competing side of things and i think that's definitely down to the social media presence that we're seeing on instagram and we're seeing a lot of female people sort of really 
big up the sport um and i think that can lead people down the wrong track you know it can it can develop bad things um it can develop eating disorders etc etc so i think that it has it its pros and its cons and the current rise of bodybuilding but for the most part I think it's awesome because, you know, I've been to a lot of natural bodybuilding shows this year. In the UK, we have federations. Uh, we have the BMBF, the MPA, and the UK DFBA. They're the main three. I um, mean, I competed in all three last year. And I have to say that, you know, I had clients that qualifies this year. Um, I, ha- I have clients that qualifies later in the year. And I really think that the growth is just incredible. The actual physiques on stage are a whole new level. And that can only be down to really the the wealth of information that is now flooded on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Just imagine if, if, if that information wasn't there, would we see the types of physiques that we're seeing on, on the natural bodybuilding stage today? I don't think we would. Or at least it would take them longer to, to sort of come out of that hiding. Um, so I think overall, Danny, I think really the, the growth of, of bodybuilding and social media itself is just definitely a good thing. And it's only something that's going to improve um, over the years to come. I 100% agree. Um, kind of on both both of those points you made there, definitely with social media, it, it can be good and bad. And, you know, that conversation that I have mainly with female clients is is something that's becoming a little more little more common um, just from them kind of I guess seeing their ideal physique or or someone they look up to on social media and just expecting to be able to kind of look exactly like them if they they diet right they train well and stuff and in a very short period of time which in a lot of cases is just not not the case whereas 100 you know, something like YouTube, even these podcasts now. Um, but I think YouTube has been a massive one and Instagram has really brought um, that popularity, popularity, sorry, especially among guys as well. Like you've got um, a number of massive YouTube personalities now where, you know, there's expos and stuff and they're coming out and literally like half the time all they do is YouTube. But now yeah. they're making a career out of fitness and they're competing and stuff and you get a lot of younger guys that kind of, start to see that it's it's i guess it's okay and it's uh it's cool and they see their journey and they want to give it a go so it's yeah it's awesome awesome all right aj up next man i wanted to know how did you get into competing so how did you kind of come across or how did you make the decision that you wanted to step on stage sure so long story and i'll explain all of it because it's quite an interesting one so about when i was about 12 years old I transitioned from football. So going back to right at the start, I was always very competitive. So always very competitive throughout primary school, secondary school, etc. I always needed, every year I needed some sort of competitive aspect to my life um, to drive me in some, some form. So I was playing football. And at the point when I finished playing football, I transferred into, into motorsport, into kart racing. Awesome. So I raced karts from about the age of 12 to 16 or 17 years old, maybe even 18 it was pretty close to when I, uh, I transitioned to bodybuilding. But during kart racing, I was I loved it. Like, it was a massive passion of mine. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, still now, they're like, would you swap what you've got now in the fitness industry 
for having a seat in F1 or touring cars or something like that. Yeah. And to be honest, it's still a difficult choice for me yeah. because I was so heavily invested in that. And you know, I'm sure you're very similar. Once you heavily invest yourself in something, you become quite attached to it. And I have to say, I have still got a small attachment to that um, to the point where, you know, if someone was to give me an opportunity, you know, I definitely contemplate it. So yeah. throughout those years, um, I was racing carts and, and did very well. I think I was about fourth in, in sort of the national level. I raced in a, a world championship um, That's sort awesome. of level in kart racing. Um, so I was very, very good. But the issue was now this is so prevalent in quite a few sports, but but ever more so in, in motorsport is because there were kids, there were guys getting ahead of me because they were getting more track time, they were getting more equipment, they were getting more people, and they were essentially having more funds. They were throwing cash at the at, yeah. at it, like no tomorrow. Um, and I didn't have that. I had a sponsor. My dad did a lot of work for me in, in terms of putting money into it. I put a lot of my own money into it as well. And I... I was really frustrated because I felt that, that no matter what I put like my effort into, I had the talent there. I was keeping up with the guys, but that extra 5%, I couldn't ink out with the money. Yeah. And that frustrated me um, sort of to no end. And at the end of, I got into sort of an academy thing with it, which was sort of a very high level, but I was surrounded again by quite a lot of people that had a lot more money than me yeah. and were progressing at a rate that was much faster than my own. And I sort of thought at that point, right, I'm competitive as hell. I need something where I can push myself to the limit and doesn't matter how much money I have, yeah. as long as I have the work ethic, I'm going to do well. And I've told bet. myself that. Um, and I remember I remember the weekend vividly when I sort of said to my dad, I was like, I'm I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I'm just going to do this weekend. I'm going to come home. We'll sell the car, and I'm going to I'm going to do something else. Uh, at that point, I was already quite heavily invested in my physical health, so I knew that if I was the fittest guy on the track, I had the best chance at, at beating anyone else, regardless of cash. If I had a little yeah, bit cool. more left in my forearms, in my neck which took a bit of a battering on the track. I'd imagine. And so were you lifting at that stage already or mainly cardiovascular? Yeah, I was. I was dabbling with the weights. I mean, yeah. it wasn't anything sort of anything proper, anything periodized or, or any sort of proper training routine. It was mainly it was mainly cardio, like you say. So I'd, I'd go on like a lot of runs. I was probably, my cardiovascular fitness was probably better than it was than it is now, to be yeah. fair, Danny. But um. <laughs> You know, back then, I really wanted to improve myself as, a, as an athlete for, for the racetrack. So I did, yeah, I did I did do a bit of weights. But then I think as soon as I sort of stopped uh, the kart racing for, for, forever and that was it, gone away, I got really into the weights. And I, and I almost pretty much pied in most of the cardio because at that point, I wasn't really enjoying it that much. So I pied in most of the cardio, started the weights, um, and at that point, I really was just trying to put on as much mass as possible um, because I, I knew I knew about bodybuilding at that point. Yeah, I knew I knew a few friends that had sort of toyed with the idea of doing it, and I actually did. I had, did have a friend at the time called Nick Bostock. I doubt he'll listen to this, but I did have a friend called Nick Bostock at the time, and 
he competed not naturally but but a very high level um in in sort of the uk bff which is a sort of non-drug tested federation in the uk um and he was a very big guy and i remember always looking up to him so i started weights avidly with the goal to sort of build as much mass as possible um and i think at that point i spent about maybe six to eight months of really packing on the weight and i went from about 150 pounds to to about 188 and to put that into context like i'm about 170 pounds now so i was 18 pounds heavier than i am now and i'm pretty pretty fluffy now for for my terms and just smashing Uh, the calories at that stage i would imagine so Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah. not tracking. I didn't know about tracking at that point. I, I worked at retail. I was in Sainsbury's, and I remember having a, a mass gainer shake next <laughs> to me on the, on the till, and I'd drink it. And you know, I'd have a couple of them, and I was probably doing about four and a half, five thousand calories a day. You know, I'm not. I'm not a very big guy. I'm not very tall, so I didn't need that many calories. Yeah, sure. But I got up. I got up to this sort of bulked weight and i still got pictures of me at that weight and i just just don't have a clue why i thought that was a good idea but i got there and um i at that point i really i just enlisted the sort of support of a coach um and that that was sort of the pivotal point i think 2014 so i only stopped racing carts in 2013 and 2014 was where i saw some images of of the the actual competition that i decided to compete in and I thought, man, those teenagers look—they look skinny. Like, uh, as soon as I cut all the fat off, I'll be way better than them. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, I was very cocky, and uh, that soon diminished. But um, yeah, 2014 was was when the sort of the switch turned on in terms of me getting into bodybuilding. And that's that's when I got a coach. Awesome, awesome. And who who was your coach? So my coach was actually uh, a guy that I work with. He's the director of the sort of the gym where I work out at the moment, the performance project. Uh, his name's Nick Walsh, and uh, yeah, he was he was my coach. He was a friend of of mine at the gym at the time. He hadn't even started the business that I'm now a part of. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he he was my coach and, and a very good one at that. Great. Uh. And and before we get into, I do want to ask you a little a little bit more uh, specifically about actually what to expect in a prep and what I guess what you've gone through in your experience but before we get into that this ties into something we've already spoke about is what would your suggestion be for someone looking to compete for the first time and and how do they make the decision that you know it's time to compete or do you think you know there is no best time your best to just kind of step into it see where you're at and then kind of reassess from there. 100% I think this is a really really good topic because quite often um, people are almost forced into it or or rushed into it maybe by sort of pressures um, going on outside of things so like social media like we sort of talked about before but I think what you really need to decide if, if you're a teenager and you're listening to this I think what you need to think about is is how long have you spent investing because that investment period is 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 the main thing that's going to pay off with a physique that you represent on stage. So how long have you been investing is the question you need to ask yourself. And if you haven't been fully invested for maybe a a good year to two years, I don't think the time's right. The reason I don't think the time's right is because 
if you're not fully invested in a gaining phase, so I'm talking about making sure you're ticking off your sessions, making sure you have a good idea of how to plan your plan and approach your nutrition, um, and taking care of everything to know that you you're consistent. If you're consistent and invest in a gaining phase, you've shown that to yourself. Then I think you're mentally prepared to go into a dieting phase. Because that's one of the most overlooked things, in my opinion, is that are you actually mentally ready? And quite a lot of people aren't. And that's why quite a lot of people, young guys especially, don't end up lean enough on stage is because they weren't even mentally ready. Yeah. They skip sessions. They skip cardio. They messed up on their food. And it's a psychological thing. No one can force you to sort of hit your macros, do your cardio, do your training. It's, it's a passion that you've got to have. If you're not passionate in a gaining phase, I tell you, when you're on, you know, 2,000 calories, you're doing tons of cardio, your glutes are lean, you will not, you will not be consistent. So um, I think it's really about preparing yourself mentally before you sort of embark on that contest, Brett. That's a really massive thing. Um, and the other thing you've got to think about is just, you know, get yourself along to some shows because... I know full well I went to some shows really recently. I came back just pumped as hell, yeah. motivated, because I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And um, I think if you're not feeling that, if you go to a show and you sit there, you're sitting back in your chair, you're watching the show, and you're thinking, it's a bit boring, like, we need to go home. Like, if you think that, yeah. you're not going to want to get up there on tr- in trunks, wait all day to pose posing is tiring you just won't you just won't want to do it it's a waste of your time so go to shows check them out but the main thing is yeah make sure you're mentally ready because that that's just gonna over overall like it's gonna matter so much more than are you heavy enough have you got enough muscle you know if you're if you've invested yourself and you're mentally ready you probably do have enough muscle um and you're probably somewhat at the caliber that you need to be to compete um and yeah just just do all of those things and then once you're ready go into it with a sort of a mindset to be the best version of yourself because i think quite a lot of people when they enter their first ever one they're too busy comparing themselves to the people that they think they might be competing against and that's a massive barrier to success, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely you versus you. And uh, I knew that coming into my first comp, but, you know, seriously, as as I've um, gone on, like as I've done more shows, each and every show, it really does kind of hit home that it really is just you versus you, especially once you get to the point where you're not competing, you know, whether it's as a teenager or whether you're in the opens now and stuff like that. Like, you can never control how anyone else is going to look when they turn up. So focus on yourself and and going back to going to the shows and stuff that was exactly how I kind of made the decision to compete for the first time like I'd I'd actually just come off training for basketball full-time for like two Uh years and like I was kind of similar to you in the fact that basketball had been basically my life as a junior and then uh, I had a had an ankle surgery and then I'd always thought about competing so um, I just loved the gym side of things when I was playing basketball. And then I actually went to two shows. I went to an IFBB show and then I went to an INBA show, so a natural show. And I literally mm-hmm. left there basically planning when I was going to do my show. <laughs> like just awesome. being there and, and seeing the atmosphere and stuff. And that's really what kind of led me to make the decision. So 
yeah, if if you are thinking of competing and you have put in time and you've got a good foundation, then definitely, yeah, get to a show for sure. 100%. Now, so so you've obviously quite clearly been through a prep and, um, and so have I and we both know a number of people that have been through preps and stuff like that. So for someone that did make the decision to step on stage for the first time, what are some of the things that you can kind of share that they should expect throughout their, their comp prep journey? Sure. So I think this is another really good question. And the reason is, I think a lot of people, especially when they first, their first ever one is, there's a lot of expectation that it's going to be brutal from the start. And everyone's making it out to be absolutely horrendous. And actually, in some parts, they are correct, because it does get pretty shit towards the end. However, it's not like that the whole time. In fact, for the first sort of couple of months of a dieting phase, I actually feel somewhat better than I did at the end of the gaming phase. I'm more productive. I feel physically fit. My resting metabolic rate is coming down. My my heart, my like sitting heart rate is, is nice and low. I actually feel really good. I feel healthy, um, which is something that you sort of need to look at in a gaining phase is are you like are you doing your cardio? Are you staying on top of your mobility? Because as soon as you enter a sort of a, a dieting phase, you tend to get into this massive routine. That's something that I think people should prepare themselves for is that you will become almost quite quote unquote OCD with things. I know what I do myself. I was a very sort of ridiculed person that, that loved a routine. Um, so I think prepare yourself for a, for a massive routine. That's that's the first thing you sort of need to prepare yourself for. Is getting into that routine is very important for you to sort of stay on track and make sure you're controlling variables, etc. However, moving forward is something that you need to sort of take into consideration is it really matters how lean you get as to how you feel because quite a lot of people can go through a contest prep. They can write all the moany bitchy statuses, but if they turn up and they're not in condition, like have they really experienced the difficulties of contest prep? I'm not sure unless they've been doing something wacky with their nutrition, last minute thing, like dropping everything. And they actually probably do feel like rubbish because they've made aggressive cuts. I don't think they've really felt it because I've seen your pictures. You got very lean. Um, You know, I spent probably a good two to three months period with sort of glute striations. And that's not comfortable. Whatever way you look at it, it's not comfortable. I think think just quickly, um, also with that, is that is something that a lot of people coming into a contest prep for the first time don't realize that there is a huge difference between... 8 to 10 body 8 to 10% body fat and getting into contest prep like that you know you can yep. look fantastic um with a nice and lean body fat percentage and still feel good but once you reach that really low level of body fat it's a completely different story yeah and you know the thing is like i mentioned like glute striations as like the holy grail but it's really not because quite a lot of people can have really oddly separated body fat to the point i had a client last year that had massively striated glutes felt absolutely fine and had a ton of back on uh, a ton of fat on his lower back you know it's not the holy grail so don't take that as perspective but for me i had to push very hard for sort of any lower body conditioning my upper body was diced before i had to dig really hard for my lower body any sort of quad striation hamstring cut 
glute, whatever, and you name it, I had to dig for that. So I think that sort of digging phase is where you'll need to expect to, to feel very lethargic, very irritable around family. You've got to almost display to your family the this is the right thing to do in my opinion is to sort of display to them how much this means to you because you need to let them know that your irritability is because there's things going on physiological things that are going on that make you irritable but you're doing it because you love it at the end of the day it's your choice um that's something you've always got to remember throughout contest prep it's your choice you're going into it for you uh, no one's forcing you to eat a certain caloric intake no one's forcing you to get lean etc um so i think that acceptance is very important to deal with the sort of the other psychological physiological changes that, that do happen however just creating that support network with your family because they're going to be the, the ones that sort of see you the most if, if you're at home um, is very important because otherwise when you do feel like rubbish they won't really understand too much so making it clear with them first off that you will sort of feel a bit off you you might not be your usual self all the time is very important um, and I think the other things that, that, that really do hit home that you might not sort of expect is that you, your work life will take a hit I know my productivity levels were, were massively down towards the end I watched a YouTube video that I did about a couple of weeks out from my show, and I sound like the the most bored human on earth. <laughs> like I feel, ju- I I just sound awful. Yeah. It made me want to put the video down. If you if you interviewed me one week out from a contest, it would be the worst podcast yeah. <laughs> ever. Put it that way. Um, and I think you know other things like very sort of small things, but actually can boil into thick big things is sort of your sleep. Uh, yeah. That's something I really struggled with. Towards the end, uh, I just I was having really bad issues with trying to get to bed. Um, it wasn't so much broken sleep. It was more just I could not get myself to bed no matter what I tried. It was mainly d- down to hunger. And before the shows, I was always massively anxious. And I just couldn't sleep whatsoever. I just didn't have any sleep. Yeah. Um, which probably didn't make a great deal of improvements to my physique, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but I think a lot of the things you need to prepare yourself for is, is is only when you do get to that sort of lean, lean level of conditioning. Um, and it's mainly like if you, if you decide to hold it there for a period of time as well, that makes a massive difference. Yeah. Because I held it there for quite a while. And, th- and that does really sort of drag yourself on. Um, so I think maybe a, a big pro tip there would sort, sort of be get lean and then get out type thing rather than sort mm. of trying to hold it there for a period of time. Yeah. And again, back to social media, you know, like you've, you've got a, an, a lot of kind of younger guys and girls now seeing photos that, you know, either myself or, or you or other people in the fitness industry are posting in contest shape and and thinking sure. to themselves oh they must look like that you know year round which when it could not be further from the truth like <laughs> as we mentioned it's not a good feeling to be that lean it might look good for photos and stuff but that's about it and once you, once you've competed then the best thing to do is get out of there but you know that's that's a topic for another podcast in itself one thing i might <laughs> add to that is um and this is something that a few of my i've got a few clients that are kind of a few weeks out from their first shows at the moment and okay as you mentioned with sleep um and anxiety and stress and stuff coming into a show that is huge is mm. is really just doing anything and as much as you can to keep your stress levels down your cortisol levels down and just relax 
and if if you've done the things that kind of AJ has mentioned just now and you've got yourself in shape and you're you've done all the right things you've followed everything to a T then you just need to believe in the process and believe that you've done everything you can and and just keep that stress level down because it's not going to help anyone <laughs> not yourself and not the people around you now AJ before we wrap things up mate um I guess something that's common that I've seen in the fitness industry is guys that do compete for the first time or do get right into their health and fitness uh, get to the point where they begin coaching themselves or would like to begin coaching themselves, um, whether it's just as a PT, whether they do their PT certificate or or whether they actually want to start prepping guys for shows or online coaching, which is obviously something that's absolutely taking off now and a lot more people are wanting to get into. What advice do you have for anyone that isn't currently a personal trainer or a coach but would like to step into that field? Sure. So I think the biggest thing you, you sort of need to do is obviously initially look look around and see in your country what sort of qualifications you need to have um, in order to, to do the coaching. So for online coaching, you don't, you don't actually need to be certified. However, I, I would probably recommend you doing it just to have some sort of backup in case clients um, sort of go back on that and sort of question it. I think it's a very good idea to sort of get that. And I don't know whether there's any sort of other legalities elsewhere in other areas of the world that might be different. But in the UK, I know that you don't actually have to be certified, but it would be a good idea to do that. Um, however, if you're personal training, you definitely need in the UK, you need your level three, um, which I got through a company called Premier Training. However, I wouldn't recommend them really. Um, <laughs> how, so you can look around to other places. Um, I'm definitely an honest person with that. Um, so I think the other thing is sort of when you're just starting. So when you're coming into like online coaching, personal training, maybe the biggest thing that I sort of benefited from was really opening myself up to um, as many opportunities as possible and I did that via a lot of free coaching so I still coach a few one-to-one clients Um, I coach actually one-to-one one-to-one client uh, for for free and I've been coaching her for for a long period of time and the reason behind that is because she's brought me business she's bringing me people in Um, and the way that you sort of identify that is You know, if you've got someone that's sort of like um, a a very sort of good person that you can trust, that you know is going to get a result, that you know is going to be okay with posting up progress pictures, et cetera, et cetera, you can grab that person and sort of utilize them as sort of your your big testimonial. Um, And I think I did that with uh, one of my online – my first online coaching client was a bodybuilding client. So I set myself up for a pretty big task – yeah, and sure. um, the thing is, I think you know, I was I was 19 years old. I didn't really have much confidence in terms of the online coaching industry. I'd just left like a really stressful period of going back to back jobs, and I thought, what the hell? Let's throw myself in the deep end. I watched every single 3DMJ video under the earth, <laughs> and I felt like I was I was ready. I, I could definitely do it. Um, and there were points when I sort of started coaching him for free. And that I thought, ah, no, I should just refer him to someone else. Like, I really don't think I can do this. Um, but then eventually, you know, he, he picked up two regional titles and ended up placing third in the juniors in the WMBF Worlds. Not a bad um, strike rate for your first Atlantic, client. Yeah, in Atlantic <laughs> City. And I think 
that that to me just proves that confidence uh, and the, the the yeah the confidence to coach and the confidence to do stuff for free and open up and really offer yourself because if you're not um, comfortable or you don't have the ability to do stuff for free then I doubt that you're going to be passionate enough to sort of work the hours that we do um, you know 100%. Danny's up at you know 5 5 a.m to do this podcast if, if he didn't love it he probably probably wouldn't wouldn't bother to get up at that sort of hour of the day to, to record a fitness podcast so I think that the main important thing before you go into it before the certification, before offering stuff for free, is make sure you're passionate um, because it, it may look like we just sit on a, a laptop all day and do online coaching, but it, it really isn't that. It's a, it's a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of ebbs and flows, um, and you've got to be confident confident and able enough to sort of deal with all of that in order to, to, to be a success, in my opinion. I agree 100%, man. Well, AJ, this has been great, mate. We've got some really good content here, and I'm glad we've um, we've got through these questions. This has been awesome. Guys, um, for those that are listening, AJ has his own podcast. I believe it's Teen Muscle Radio. Um, Correct. Be sure to check it out, guys. Um, plenty of great content. Again, uh, I'll put all AJ's social links in the, uh, in the notes section for the podcast. So, AJ, thanks for joining us this morning, man. If you've got anything you want to kind of say before we finish up, far away if not then um thanks for joining that's it danny i I really really appreciate you having me on and um i hope that you have a sort of a good day of your personal training sessions and i hope that we sort of are able to uh, catch up at some point in the near future keep in touch get you on my podcast at some point uh, and maybe i'll I'll even do a trip to australia and I'll, i'll come and see you in person at some point danny that'd be great aj thanks mate